What's your favorite scary movie? You know, Davis, I'm not really what I would call a big fan of scary movies. So Not really? I'm a big scary movie fan. Yeah, really? What's your favorite one right now? Uh, my favorite one, just like on the... Yep, on your dome. You don't. It doesn't uh, have to be necessarily right. You can always rescind it another day. Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Interesting. It's. I'll talk about it a bit uh, later, actually, because that's... Um, very much within the vein of the movies that we are discussing today, which are Scream 1 and Scream 4. I know, not Scream 2 and 3. I'll explain that in a moment. But to begin scary movie season, I prefer the term spooky uh, season, but Davis doesn't like spooky season, so mm. scary movie season it is. We will be discussing Scream 1 and Scream 4. This year will be the 25th anniversary of Scream 1 and Scream 4. Scream 1 came out 25 years ago in December. As for Scream 4, it came out... 10 years ago in April, and now tra uh, rumors of a trailer for Scream 5 are going to be released soon. That'll be on the, again, 25th anniversary of the first movie, and 10 years since the previous one. And of course, Scream 4 also came out 10 years since the predecessor of that, Scream 3, so a whole uh, series there. We're going to dive in specifically to 1 and 4 because, to be quite frank with our listeners at home, it was midterms week, and... It was a lot of work to do, and watching four movies would have been kind of difficult. So, the two movies we shall do, but we'll bring just as much analysis, jokes, comedy as we normally do for any other series, including the four-part Indiana Jones series, which we did last week. I recommend uh, any of you who are just listening to this episode but did not catch that one last week, you can go ahead and catch our thoughts on the Indiana Jones series, of which there are four movies, with Jack Hart as the guest for that episode but we thank you all for joining us uh wherever you are listening to this while doing laundry doing homework working out actually i've heard is a is a is a common use not very common amongst people just to, in normal but apparently our listeners well maybe i should like start that. splicing in some like come on you gotta get up get up uh, get yeah, up get just, up there's just a little little commercial break let's go come, you on, know? come on come on come on there we go yeah that think i think that'd be a great idea lock it out lock it out lock it out yeah I, or don't lock it out technically but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't 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 do that um, oh, just for the record, my favorite mo favorite scary movie is the Descent. The Descent. Mm -hmm. Never seen it. It's very is good. that the is that the one where they go in like the, the they cave go spelunking? Uh, sp and it's spelunking all the, is the word. And it's all the scary monsters that evolved down there. Okay. Uh, question before we get into the news, as always, um, we'll, we'll probably talk about this and scary movies in general more later. Um, does M do M Night Shyamalan's films count as scary? Mm, depends on the which movie it is. Mm. Sixth Sense. Uh. I guess it's 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 spooky, spooky certainly, but I wouldn't say you get. There's like maybe the scene where the girl's throwing up or whatever. That one's kind of scary. Oh, I, I'll say my favorite viewing experience of a scary movie is two. Uh, the Purge was a very fun experience because we watch it with like a bunch of friends and family. And when Lena Haiti hits the girl in the face with a shotgun, everybody screamed and it was very funny. And then Don't Breathe, which we saw in I saw in theaters for my birthday uh, a few years ago, and that movie was crazy. I still don't like Don't Breathe 2 and I haven't even seen it yet. But One of the are, scariest movies ones. I ever watched, like the most reaction a scary movie's ever gotten out of me is watching The Babadook with you that one time. Oh my gosh, was that at... Um, was it your house? That's right. Oh my gosh, that is, you've just unlocked that a whole and memory. and Hereditary are the two movies I got, the, and uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe are the three movies Ooh, that got the best reaction I haven't seen that, those last two, but I remember The Babadook's Baba, Baba. Duke. It was creepy. It was really it was crazy. Love that movie. Uh, man, I've not seen that in a while. I'm going to watch that again soon. But of course, before we get into all that and get into Scream 1 and Scream 4, we got some movie news, as always, to begin the show. Not a lot this week, actually. Not a very busy week in terms of movie news, but some big things. 
a trailer for House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones pe- prequel, excuse me, based on George R. R. Martin's novel Fire and Blood was released, and the show will be coming to HBO and HBO Max in 2022. The series will take place 200 years before the Game of Thrones TV show, focusing on the Targaryen dynasty. Uh, Matt Matt Smith of former Doctor Who fame was seen in the uh, trailer as one of the more prominent uh, Targaryen characters. I don't believe I, I'm not certain of what character he will be playing, nor am I certain of really any of the characters. But you know, I know you're not a big Game of Thrones fan. You've never seen the show, but I saw the first season. Haven't watched anything else. I honestly, it does. First get season better. was good. I it, just never watched anything it, anymore. It gets extensively better, in my opinion. I would say for a lot of fans of the show, you know, the disappointing ending. This is what fans have been craving for. You know. There was a lot of very fascinating lore mentioned in the show that people wanted. People wanted Robert's Rebellion to get a whole TV show. It's not going to get that yet, but, you know, the Targaryens, they conquered all of the known world with their dragons and stuff like that. This is finally being seen for the first time. I think it's pretty exciting, and, again, it, I mean, it's different showrunners, too, so it's not like they're giving the same guys, you know, who messed up the end of, of the previous Game of Thrones series with this one. I'm excited for it. I can't say that I'll be watching it, you know... It'll be, it'll be first on my list of stuff to watch because there's a lot of shows and movies coming out uh, this year, but I'll certainly have my eye on it. And, you know, if I hear a lot of good things about it, I'll definitely be more inclined to give it a watch. And as I mentioned with shows coming out, The Book of Boba Fett, Davis, uh, will be premiering December 29th on Disney+. Plus. The Book of Boba Fett hinted at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. Spoiler alert for anybody who have not seen that yet. You're supposed to put spoiler alert before you say something. Well... Oh, yeah, I guess so. But at this point, it's been a year. So I feel like, you know, if you haven't seen Mandalorian yet, are you really going to see it? You know, it's like... Bruce it's like, Willis is dead in six cents. Spoiler alert. Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. So you, just so you all know. I, I can't believe you would just say that and ruin our... dead people. And one of them is, Bruce in fact, Willis, yeah. Bruce Willis. That's why his wife doesn't react to him when he's at dinner. I love that. We We should do an episode on that movie soon. I think maybe so. I think M Night deserves a, deserves a few episodes because he's got a lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of. Eh. But yeah, Book of Boba Fett uh, coming out. That was a very highly anticipated uh, show as Disney Plus continues to knock it out of the park with the live action, specifically in Star Wars. Even Star Wars Visions has been getting some pretty good reviews, as far as I've heard, and the very unique uh, turn on that. Also, as I mentioned earlier, Scream getting another film. We'll talk about that in a moment. But going on down the list, 60 years ago this week, October 5th specifically, excuse me, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's was released. Uh, that's one of a very popular movie that I've never seen, I must admit. But I know a lot of people have, and I've heard a lot of very good things about it, starring Audrey Hepburn uh, in the title role. I'm certainly interested in seeing that some someday. There's a lot of very interesting movies that you know came out during that era. Mickey like, Rooney's also in it as a... Uh... That's right, the controversial... <laughs> Yes, I remember that. That it's was, not even controversial; it's just bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, you I, ever seen it? Ah, uh, yes, I have. It's <laughs> so bad. It's bad. bad. I would recommend anybody listening to this podcast. Um, if you are curious what Davis is talking about, just Google Mickey Rooney at Breakfast at Tiffany's, and you'll see. And note, Mickey Rooney is in fact a Caucasian white male. I think that's important yes. to mention when when seeing that photo. But yeah, that's uh, just something that. Yeah, we won't go any further into that, but Breakfast at Tiffany's 60 years ago this week on October 5th was released. And going further, again, I mentioned Scream 5. I'm going to Google Scream 5 right now and just see. I just did. It said it's 2022, and it, the plot is literally just the plot of Scream 4. Well, there, there are some, uh, there are some 
uh, new cast members. So much like Scream Forwards, we'll get into a bit later. Uh, it is the new cast combined with the older cast. So Jenny Ortega as Tara Carpenter, Dylan Minnette as Wes Hicks, Melissa Barrera as Samantha. See, I can't see the end of her name. And Jack Quaid as Richie Kirsch, Jack Quaid from The Boys, uh, very as a very popular character of Huey from that television uh, show. And this will also be the very first um, screen movie not directed by Wes Craven because Wes Craven uh, passed away in 2015 at the age of 76. So the Scream franchise being revived, but without Wes Craven uh, to take the lead, that film will be directed by Matt Bell. Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett. I'm looking them up right now. And let's see. Matt Bellinelli's, or, or excuse me, Bettinelli Open. His top films include, let's see, not, not a lot of credits to his name, to be honest. Um, it doesn't appear to be, yeah, there doesn't, doesn't appear to be anything. He was just picked uh, to do the fifth installment of the Scream franchise along with Tyler Gillett. Uh, Gillett, and now we're looking at Gillett as well, and even less uh, film credits seem except for the Devil's, our Fox film Devil's Due from 2014. But yeah, that lot, not a lot unknown about that film, despite the fact that it is set to come out in 2022. A trailer again is rumored to come out on October 10th. Actually, if you're listening to this podcast past that date, you can go ahead and Google it and see if it did in fact come out. We aren't sure of that. And we'll discuss, I guess, our excitement of that later. But right now, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little hesitant to be quite honest with you, because it's the. I mean, it's it was Wes Craven's, you know, franchise, and now very much, uh, no longer that. Now, Davis, moving on to you know, just before we get to uh, Scream One and Scream Four, it is scary movie season. And with that, I want to do a little bit of a throwback to last year when we talked about Zodiac and Seven. A group of independent investigators, actually, has identified the Zodiac killer as Gary Francis Post, who died in 2018. Now, I did not look into this too much because it was ju- the news just broke minutes before we started recording this. But do you believe that there is any chance that they could be right? Uh, I'm looking it up right, right now. Uh I'd have to see what they have linking it to them, if they actually have DNA evidence or it's just more circumstantial evidence. I looked up one article and just said they have it, and I was like, well, what is the DNA evidence? They said, oh, it's there. I was like, oh. See, yeah, that's the thing, because I could just be like, you know, I investigated, uh, I've been investigating uh, Jack the Ripper murders, mm. and, you know, I got DNA evidence, and I can prove it's this guy. Yeah, And obviously exactly. that was a long, lot longer ago, so it's not as concrete. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I I think there's a good case for Arthur Lee Allen, even with the DNA against him. The circumstantial evidence adds up in such a way that it's kind of hard to look at him without still some suspicion. For anybody who watched uh, Zodiac, you'll probably agree with Davis. Yes. The movie, the movie clearly makes a judgment. It throws him at the end. Oh, oh, by the way, um, he was exonerated, but it also throws in that he died right before police were going to bring him in for questioning yet again. So, and the final scene is. Um, a man identifying him as the shooter, which is all true. All that yeah. actually happened. Yeah. So, uh, nobody really knows what's happening. But throwback to that episode again. If you haven't listened to that one, you can check it out on Spotify. One of our earlier episodes in October of last year, as part of our scary movie season. Now, this one, 
this scary movie season, Davis, I think is going to go on a more uh, scary. I just approach. feel like the, the issue is oh, the four thing, the four people I have seen, or the three pages I've seen post about is Fox News, Fox 13, and TMZ. Which means? Okay, so is TMZ a, a reputable source for news? No. The only one on there that is reputable is, reputable is Fox News. And even then, you can call into question how reputable they actually are. But we're not going to get into They are that. the most trusted name in news. <laughs> we were actually learning about that in our journal. But I'm just saying, only three news sites are reporting on this. We were learning about that in our um, our journalism class, actually. Like, Fox News's mission statement is like, get the news fast or whatever. Where, like, everyone else is like, um, you know, say the truth or whatever. And Fox is like, do it first or whatever. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Actually, that, that's not that's not it. Let me see what... Um, let me see if I can find it. No, I can't. I can't. Um, but I just remember it was very different from the three. But that that's fair. I don't know. I, certainly a developing story. We'll have to, we'll, I mean, we'll it doesn't matter. The guy also passed away in 2018. Yeah. So it's not... There's not much... There's not, you know, an interrogation you can do or... You know, you're not going to get many answers from the guy because he's not there to either say, well, yeah, I did do it or not. Like, there's not, the, all of this is just, we have evidence, but we, nobody, I mean, unless people come forward and say, hey, I knew this. Like, yeah. So I just wanted to um, mention that because we did talk about the Zodiac. Now, Davis, as I was saying earlier about the spooky, se- <laughs> scary movie season, as I know you told me I have to say that instead. I didn't tell you you had to. I, uh, let's just say I wrote down a summary of last week's episode promoting uh, upcoming spooky season, and Davis corrected it to scary movie season. Yes, I didn't. So, I didn't tell you. You asked me, "Can you read over this?" And I changed and, uh, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, last year was a lot less scary movies and a lot more psychological thrillers. I would say. What um, what do you think? What are the plans for us this uh, semester and this October? I know you've got some movies you want to talk about and see, so why don't you uh, tell some of the listeners about some of those movies that they can expect to hear about in the coming weeks. The biggest one is going to be the two Ari Aster movies, yes. Hereditary and Midsummer. I and look ev- forward to those. Everything else is going to keep close to my chest. Ah. When I have really, when I'm really planned out. Surprises, really. Davis? Or is Davis, making a, is Davis planning a surprise for the, for Maybe, the listeners who knows? and for me? Maybe. That's insane. Um, which of course last year we did Seven vs Zodiac, Scooby One and Scooby Two, Sickos and Psychos in Cinema, and the best and worst movies of Halloween. Spoiler alert: It was in fact Hubie Halloween. Mm. Which Jack Hart says we need to do a rewatch. We watch. Rewatch. Rewatch. I don't know Lord. about that. What? You're not convinced? Nope. Really? What if we could have him on as a guest? Still not convinced? Maybe we could. What do you think? What are you looking up right now? I sh- uh, um, I'm reading about Robert Rodriguez because I have something about him later. Ah, Robert Rodriguez. Ro- oh my God, I'm having problems over here. Robert Rodriguez. But that'll do it uh, for the news segment. And now let's go ahead and get right into Scream 1 and Scream 4. So, when talking about these movies, I think it's important to mention they came sort of at the end of the slasher genre. Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street both came out in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I think Friday the 13th was actually in the... Wasn't it in the 70s? No, no, no. 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 It was uh, 1980 exactly, and then 1981. Nightmare on Elm Street at the same time. This, the, the slasher genre kind of fell apart at this point because Scream came out in 1994... No, 1996, excuse me. And for reference, movies that came out then was, uh, let's see, you've got Friday the 13th Part 
Seven, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. You've got Jason Goes X. to Hell. There's Jason X as well. And, and then, that's yeah, when he goes to space. And 2001 is Jason X where he goes to space, which is only five years after this. So the slasher genre kind of fell apart. It was, it was essentially going into a sort of, you know, let's just remake over and over again. The one exception was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Now, this is what I'm going to talk about a bit. Scream was a series directed by Wes Craven, one of the uh, big creators of the horror and slasher genre in the 80s and 90s. He was the guy behind Nightmare on Elm Street. And then Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Davis, I think you'd like this movie. Do you even know what it's about? Is it a Freddy thing? It is, but so it's it's Freddy haunting the actress from the Nightmare on Elm Street I movies who is yeah. playing herself. I think I've watched a movie or a video and like about she that. meets the guy who plays Freddy and they're friends, but then Freddy himself shows up and she's like, "Wait, isn't it him?" It's a really fascinating movie, and I'd honestly recommend anybody who likes those non-traditional scary movies, non-traditional slasher films, to go ahead and watch that one because it, it's it's excellent and. It certainly is one of Craven's best films and one of the best of the 90s for slasher movies because, again, they kind of fell off. Never forget Jason X, Jason Man- Takes Manhattan, and Jason goes all the way to hell, apparently. So that that's the man behind this. And at this point, again, the slasher genre was kind of, I would say, in the toilet. Would you, would you agree with that statement, Davis? I mean, they weren't making as much money as they had, and they'd become redundant upon redundant upon redundant. I'll agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So... In comes Wes Craven with the film Scream. Now we're going to go through the cast list first before we sort of preface what this movie's about. And of course, spoiler alert, is always in effect for both these movies. 1996 and 2011, 25 years ago and 10 years ago. If you haven't seen them yet, pause the episode, go ahead and watch them, then come back to us. But other than that, let's get right into it. So this cast, starring David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Neve Campbell as Sidney Scott, or Sidney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, Matthew Lillard, formerly known as Shaggy, as uh, Stu Matcher, Rose McGowan as Tatum Riley, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks, and last but not certainly not least, you've got Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker, the first character to appear in the uh, in the movie, and then Henry Winkler as Principal Arthur Hembry, which Winkler actually went uncredited because the producers asked him not not to have his name on the film to distract from the younger cast because. This is a young, a very young crew. I think by this point, Courtney Cox had only been doing Friends for three years, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look that up right now. But Courtney Cox was really the biggest star um, of the much younger cast. Yeah, 1994 was the beginning of Friends. This was done in 1996. So Winkler, who goes as the principal, and honestly was one of the funnier characters in the movie, and very much a you know a nice little like. Uh, not not necessarily like a light or bright moment, but just like, oh, it's it's that guy. We know him. And then he was also kind of funny in his role. But he went uncredited as the producers asked him to do so. But that's the cast for you. A lot of young stars in this film. Uh, Matthew Lillard had not yet made it. Courtney Cox, as I mentioned, was only just now doing Friends. And again, this film came out in 1996. So let's say she was cast in 1995 or 94. That was the time Friends came out. David Arquette, again, uh, he would later on go to big fame, like winning the WCW Championship in 2000 and was starring in a horrible wrestling movie. Yes, that's some good lore for any of our wrestling fans out there. I know there are none, but that's just a funny uh, tidbit. You should Google a picture of him winning it, Davis. It's rather funny. And, you know, Rose McGowan, who uh, has certainly... Not necessarily reached more prominent fame, but her name has been in the news a lot more associated with the Me Too movement lately. I forgot she was in this movie, and then I saw her, and I was like, wait a minute. I recognize her. 
because she's been uh, very, very heavily involved in that movement over the past few years. And then Jamie Kennedy, again, who was in Son of the Mask, one of the all-time classic comedies, wouldn't you say, Davis? No. No? I even knew that movie was bad as a kid. Yeah, I think we all did. I think we all did. But I'd say a pretty good cast overall in terms of performances, especially it was going for a young, unknown, hey, here's high schooler look, and I think it worked. I think it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, they're obviously 25. I mean, maybe they were obviously not high school age, but, like, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. It was, they weren't having Courtney Cox as the junior in high school. So I'm saying. They, they cast it pretty well, I would say. And I mentioned when this movie came out and what it has to do with the uh, slasher genre. It's a satire, isn't it, Davis? Well, so for a lot of it, it just felt like a regular movie to me. Really? At the end and the beginning, I could tell it was being satirical, but like throughout the rest of it, it just felt like a like it just was a good slasher movie to me. And I could I I know I know you probably don't like that, but like I knew it was trying to be satirical, but at some point, I feel like it wasn't doing it. At some points, it was just being a movie. I think I okay maybe 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 okay I'll say this I'll say the satire more applies to the fourth one than this one. Oh, the fourth one is very very it's very, it's very very on the, on nose, the nose is the word. No, that's what's out of my notes. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like we talk to each other a lot, Davis. Mm. Who would have thought? Um, I'll say this though: Does this one function more as a love letter to scary movies with all the references? I mean, you've got Wes Craven as Janitor Fred, who is literally dressed like Freddy Krueger. Like, could could you say that? Like, in terms of yes, filling yes. up and like and like the way it has the classic tropes and you know the Dutch angle and at the beginning of the movie, which that's one thing I love about this movie, Davis, is the opener. I think the opener is one of the best I've seen it in scary movies because it's kind of a misdirect. Because you see Drew Barrymore, who was a bigger name at this time than anybody in this movie, to be honest, and you're thinking, oh, she's in this movie, so it's gonna be about her, and then in ten minutes she's gone. What did you think of the uh, beginning of this movie? Well, I'd already seen it before, so it didn't really take me by surprise as much as it was intended to, I guess. But, you know, I did like it. I thought it was a good cold open for it. Um, And the guy that does the voice of Scream, I'm glad they got him back for a lot of Scream 4 because you don't hear him that much in Scream 1. Yeah, I mean, there's not nearly as much of it. I think, what, there's the phone call to Drew Barrymore, Mm -hmm. right? Then there's the phone call to Sydney. And that's pretty much all of it in there. I think I think he I think he makes one more call, but like the rest is just him walking around in in full costume. But you're right, he 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 definitely has a more prominent role because I think that's kind of what made this movie very special was the fact that you know he's not like um, they kind of went went in the Halloween approach, you know, where the Halloween they only call him the shape. They don't even know Michael Myers' name. For a lot of it. And he doesn't have a big prominent appearance. Like, he has a few lines, but those lines stick out. The What's Your Favorite Scary Movie is iconic. It is etched in movie history. So, I I do have a few issues with the first one. Not issues. I have a little, con- some confusions right. in the first one. Go ahead, listen more. Is the person that kills Drew Barrymore's character Matthew Lillard and the other guy? Or is that a separate guy doing that? That was them, yeah. Okay. I just wasn't sure. Because that, that was... Um, yeah, like I think I think there's a comment that uh, Stu makes after it where they like she says or he says something very suspect about it. I don't know what it is, but yeah, that was so that was the idea was okay. So because yeah, that was them. 
That wasn't it wasn't supposed to be a random guy. It just wasn't that's the one criticism I would have of this movie is this everything else is connected. Like it makes sense why they would do it, but that that is not as connected other than to instill fear in people, which they are psychopaths. So it checks out. Okay, so and I was watching it in the bullpen here at Weagle. So right. I'd say about eighty five to ninety percent of my attention was on it, but that last ten percent Okay, so can you explain to me what their plan, like their entire plan was? Because I'm still a little confused. Okay, by it. so, and again, we're we're gonna very much jump around in this plot, uh, but I'll fill you in a bit more and and the basics later. So, essentially, this movie the movie begins with uh, with Sydney, and there's a lot of references to something that happened with Sydney. This is the first time this has happened since whatever. And beginning, her dad leaves. She said, she said or he said, "I'll be gonna be at the hotel." So. A year ago, um, to 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 go with the movie, Sydney's mother was raped and murdered, uh, and it was like a year ago that day, like in the movie universe, like it was a year ago that week or something like that. So, the pl- and for Billy, Sydney's mom was cheating on her husband with Billy's uh, father, which is why Billy Loomis's mom left, and that's why Billy's upset about that. So their plan was they were going to frame. Sydney's dad to have done all the killings because like the anniversary set him off because they kidnapped him they ditched his car they cloned his cell phone because all the phone records which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the head sheriff smoking a cigarette and then Dewey's licking an ice cream cone as they're like having a super serious it, that's clearly where it gets satire to me is because that's mocking all the serious ooh exposition what did we find moments because you know it's very much a just sit and ah sheriff it's uh we got the phone records but anyway um so the plan was to um, kill everybody else and then pin it on Sydney's dad by stabbing each other, wiping it off, putting yeah. the knife in Sydney's hand, Sydney's dad's hand, and the gun in the other, and that was their plan. So does that make sense to you? Yes. Because it was it was it was Billy's way to get back confu- at okay so- at Sydney's mom and just in general because well and I think what we're supposed to assume is that they killed uh, Sydney's mom. Yeah, because he says it was easy. You wouldn't be how easy was easy how easy it was to frame Cotton Weary, who was played by Leif Schreiber, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, Leif when Schreiber. Was he in it. He he shows up in the TV coverage when it says uh, Prescott's mom was killed and in a convicted case with Leif Sh- or not Leif Schreiber, with uh, Cotton Weary, and everyone's like, "What?" And it's him. Google it. Seriously. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, so. Why do they have to kill everybody else? Well, they're psychopaths. I mean, I yeah, I guess that's true. They're not that that that's. They're, they're calcu- that's the thing is they're very cool and calculating individuals, but they are crazy. It is Lee Schreiber. Hmm. Yeah, um, like that. I like it wasn't, and I think it was to you know sort of throw people off the scent maybe because you know if it's just Sydney and Sydney's dad, right? Then, huh? Who could be connected? Well, who was Sydney's mom possibly with a year ago that messed up somebody's family? Billy, right? You know, so so that's how it works. And again, Billy's the mastermind of this. Stu is clearly along for the ride. That's the one thing I like about this movie is that you know, you like, you don't know who's gonna do it, but you haven't narrowed it down. But like, it's because the movie sort of they they give you Stu, and they're like, it's probably him. But then like, is that just the misdirect? Because the movie plays into so many tropes, you don't know where it's gonna go. You know, it plays into the oh, it's obviously the two hunters, right? Like, yeah, they asked him about, like, he said they asked us if we know how to, how to gut an animal. Like, that's like, you know, those are all a lot of tropes. And Stu being the fun-loving uh, garbage guy, honestly, you feel like he would be not it, right? Like, he, 
don't know why I stuck my okay, so on the table, but I just thought of this. So I would say Scream is like the serious version of Tucker and Dale versus the Forces of Evil, which is also a satire. I don't remember that movie. Comedy no, satire, where it's basically it's dark, dark comedy in this case. Yes, but it's basically uh, so Tucker and Dale. One of them is uh, Stanley Tucci. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, it is Stanley Tucci. Literally not. What's his name then? Alan uh, Tudyk. That okay? They're close enough. That's what I was thinking of in my offense, in Liter- my defense. Literally not the sa- not the same person at the all. The t- sound is what I was. Oh my god! Listen, but it's basically like they're two hillbillies. So like all the the teenagers that show up expect them to be like murderers, but just like random things happen. It's actually pretty funny. But I'm yeah. not gonna lie, Davis. I hated that movie. Wow. <laughs> so as I thought I liked it. I like maybe I need to watch it again, but I was not. I it was, was just not. It was not a good time. Okay, whatever. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I don't really have much else to say about this movie because it's no, just, I mean it's said, good. How, how is it similar, really? I just told you why. Like, it's, go go a bit there, more. And- every time I tried to, you keep talking. <laughs> Listen, I just I already gave it why I said it. It's the ser. They're both making fun of it. They're both making. They're ah, they're both mocking the. They're getting the tropes genre. Yeah, yes. that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I just I really like the misdirection at the end, especially where um. Where Stu and Randy are both there, and you're like, "Oh, who is it?" I also like uh, the vi- the video store thing where they discuss like the rules, and they're like, "Well, it's got to be this guy. It's the boyfriend. Just growing up the boyfriend, yada yada yada." And the fact that Randy actually like knows everything going on with Sydney and Billy's relationship, despite the fact that he wouldn't know. Like he mentions how, well, you know, maybe Billy's a little angry because Sydney won't let him go that far or whatever. And I was like, "They just talked about that. How does how does he how does he know that?" And I just yeah, I really. I also liked. Um, I thought I, one of one of my favorite scenes. I okay, not favorite because it's it's gonna, this is gonna sound weird, right? But the scene where they're all watching Halloween and like um, the characters in the movie Halloween are <clears throat> getting naked, and Randy's like, da, 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 "Do this, do that," and then it cuts to Sydney and Billy doing exactly what they just said. I always thought that was funny because like they're very much playing into the this is how those movies are because they have a formula and they they roll with it. I don't know. I just really, I really like this movie. I think I it's, too. I think it's a lot funnier than a lot of people give it credit for. I think the cast is significantly better. I think the music is great and it's scary. Like the whole scene when uh, Tatum gets stuck in the garage door, that's gross. Not to mention the the opening scene, as you said, is kind of scary when Drew Barrymore is running around trying to, you know, very graphic. Yes, very very violent. The scene when she is still on the phone and her parents are just hearing her like breathe and like die. That seems very haunting. I don't know. I just really liked uh, this movie. Where would you say, you know, we're not going to go a full ranking list, but like when you think scary movies to watch for Halloween, where's this one rank for you? Like, is it like, you know, is it a tier two, tier three? Like, you know. I don't know. Really? Uh, not So, I mean, like I watched Scream a lot. So, like I was wondering if you're That was like, my first time ever actually seeing it. I thought you said you had, oh, you'd seen the opening scene before. Yeah, though. I'd seen the opening scene. I knew the plot because I'd watched a video about it. I'd say I'd add it to like tier two, tier one. Just I don't have like a comprehensive list. That's fair. That's the fair. descents on there. Hereditary's not on there because it's so scary. I don't want to watch it again. Well, we're about to have to. I that's guess that's the one movie that's ever given me nightmares. I don't want to watch it. We're gonna watch it. No. It's, it's a really good movie, but it genuinely gave me a nightmare. I don't want to. No. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'll be doing it with my eyes closed over the pillow. Well, how many? You have anything else to say about Scream One? I don't know. I think um, I think it it sets up really well as a standalone, but there is kind of a lot that's sort of left 
up to, you know, like like Dewey being stabbed in the back. It does set up certain things in the future because Dewey comes in the later movies with a limp because he's stabbed in the back, actually. So it sets up a lot in the, late, in the later movies. But I just really think it's very good. I recommend anybody who likes the slasher genre um, to watch this movie because it's I think it's a classic in that in that genre, definitely. Moving on to Scream 4. And again, there are four Scream movies. We're only talking about one in four because it is the 25th anniversary of the first one this December and the... 10th anniversary this past April. So in the middle, we missed a bit. Uh, Sydney and them go to college, and there's uh, Ghostface yet again. And then lastly, in Scream 3, and this is where the movie really reaches its meta phase, I guess is, is how you could put it. Uh, Sydney and them go to work on the filming of a movie called Stab, which is based on the Ghostface killer, and therefore the based on Sydney's life. No, that's the third one. The second one, they go to college. This is the second one when two college students are murdered at the sneak preview of Stab movie based on the events from the first film. Oh, okay, so Scream 3 is where they go for the rest of the series, I think. Let me see right here. Yeah, so it's where it, they're in Hollywood where Stab 3 is being shot in Gail Weathers and Dewey Riley on set as advisors to Jennifer Jolie. Unfortunately, Killer decides to opt the cast in order of the screenplay and only Sid Prescott, now in hiding until the killer tracks her down, can solve the riddle. All right, so yeah, that one is um, essentially it's they go to college and the stab movie's being made and they continue to go to um, the, the then they're in Hollywood filming the third stab movie again based on all those events and which leads us into the beginning of the fourth one where the movie says let's just go all the way into the There's movie, a movie within a movie. Of a movie it's yeah it is a, a it is a movie so it's it they're watching it's they're watching a movie. That is inside of a movie, and, and this is a movie. So it's yes. a, yeah. So it, it is, and it, it is insane. I remember being so confused when I first watched it. I was like, "What is happening?" David, you haven't unbelievably had seen the movie before. So what was your experience? I kind of expected uh, the first one to me by surprise. The second one, I was like, "Okay, this is still a movie." And then the third one, I was like, "I thought they might do it again, but I was like, there's no way they'll do it was that too, again.'" It was too stretched out, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that uh, completely. But I. For the stab movies, canonically in the Scream universe, they're directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, that's right. Who he he um uh you, what do you got? Director some? of Spy Kids. Oh my Star gosh, Coin, Lava right. Girl. Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yes, because this is a Dimension. This is a Dimension Studio uh, production, and Rodriguez has worked with Dim- Dimension yes. Studio for a long time, extensive amount of time, and a lot of movies there. What did you think of the opening? I liked it. Uh. I'm trying to think of what it was again. It was the two. It was the two girls. It was g- girls watching a movie, and then it's like, oh, stab six ended, boo, and then they get stabbed, and then it's people watching. St- no, no, it's stab five. Then the people in the movie are actually watching stab six because it's girls start watching a movie. It's the end of stab five. Girl gets stabbed, boo. Cuts to cuts to um girls watching the end of stab six, which just happened. They're like, oh, boo, gets stabbed again. Cuts to people watching the end of stab seven, which was that. It's and then like I don't get it. Is it? A, I didn't like it. Is it a movie within a movie? I don't know. And then you know they, yeah. And then they and they get they get actually stabbed. killed by uh, Ghostface. And then they mentioned the app. They're like, oh, do you have the app to make your phone go like that? That was funny. That, I like that. That was very like, ooh, we're in we're in modern times now. 2011. Like yeah, uh, <laughs> certainly modern. But I really like that intro. I think it, I think it one. It's it, it's kind of you know you're like okay, this is gonna be a more heavy on, and it is because. This movie, again, comes out in a unique era. Scream kind of ended with uh, Scream 3 because Scream 3 did not make nearly as much money as its predecessor, only $161 million 
at the box office, which for reference, Scream 1 made $173 million and Scream 2 made $172 million. So this one was the first one to take a major drop of about $10 million. So they stopped after uh, Scream 3 in 2001 and came back with Scream 4. And this comes out during the remake of Friday the 13th and the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street and the remakes of The Thing, I think. And J- Freddy vs. Yeah, Jason That's not a again. remake. The Thing's not a remake. It's a prequel. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I haven't seen that one. I want to watch it. Um, And this movie addresses that because that's one thing I love about this movie is it's much more on the nose as a satire. There are whole discussions about remakes. The The movie the movie uh, club discussion very much parallels um the video store discussion previous in the movie. And one thing I like, Davis, is when they went to go see uh, the Stabathon, I thought that was the end. I like I I fell into the to the because I hadn't seen this one in a while. I fell into the whole sequel and remake tropes where it's like, oh, the big party scene. Yes, this is where it ends, and it wasn't. Uh, what did you think of this movie uh, by comparison to the first one? I did like I like the first one more, and what I was saying about the first one, how it doesn't really feel like a satire. I feel like it was made in a way that it could be mistaken as just another slasher movie. Like surface, if you just watch it on surface level, you're like, oh, it's just another another slasher movie, better than the rest of of what was coming out in the time, of course. But you could just kind of fall into it. You know, like, you ever, you know who Kendrick, you know Kendrick Lamar. Yes. You know the song Swimming Pools? Uh, I believe so. So sw- the song Swimming Pools is about the dangers of drinking. And in turn, people that didn't listen to the lyrics turn into a drinking song. Oh. So that's kind of how I just apply that to the Scream 1, where people just kind of watched it and made another slasher movie. But Scream 4, you can't do that. It's so on the nose. It's so obvious in a good way. That what they're that it's a satire, that it can't be mistaken as anything else. That's the one question I was going to ask: is is it in a good way? Is it? Is I thought it, I enjoyed it. I mean, like I thought I thought it was making good jokes. It was making fun of it in a good way. Uh, you could you could say it was on the too on the nose, and I'd agree with you in some way. But I enjoyed it overall. I, I would say it was it was much. Yeah, I I really did like it. And going through the cast again, you've got David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Weather Weathers Riley, which Courtney Cox was previously Courtney Cox Arquette. There's a whole backstory there. Um, were they were they still married when this came out? I do not believe so. Actually, mm-hmm. I can you Google that while I'm while I'm going through the list? Yeah, Emma Roberts as Jill Roberts. Emma Roberts, the uh, the new y- part of the young cast, along with Hayden. They're still uh, married. They're still married. Hayden Panette. Penetieri, I'm sorry, I don't know how yeah. to say her last Pen- name. I think it's Penetieri. Penetieri. Hayden Penetieri as Kirby Reed. Anthony Anderson as Anthony Perkins, which is psycho guy. Yes, there, there you go. The the star of uh, who played Norman Bates in the Psycho, which basically started the slasher genre in its in no. That's they asked right. In the movie, it's not. Movie. What it do was, they say? It was father's was? home or father's visit, something like that. No, 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 no. Okay, you you Google that too. Uh, Adam Brody as Ross Haas. I was I was like, oh my gosh, Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson. Um, Rory Culkin as which Rory Culkin is brother of Macaulay Culkin and uh, the other Culkin. They're, yes, they're That's Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. Um, Eric uh, Nudson as Robbie Mercer and Allison Brie as Rebecca Walters. And then did you figure out if what Scream Four said was the start of the slasher genre? No, I'm working on it. Oh my gosh, we'll. we'll 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 try and uh, delay. I will say this movie significantly more graphic than the uh, the original Scream. Would you say so? Mm, yes. You do see someone's guts in this one. And then you see Anthony Anderson get stabbed in the face. 
Oh yeah, right in his and forehead. Then, and he went, Bruce, Bruce Willis. I oh yeah, because they were word. they were talking they were talking about the ru- the rules of uh, how cops die. That's the, that I really do like how much more on the nose it was. Like I get that it can be a bit divisive. Like that's fine, but I really enjoyed that it was a lot more on the nose in uh, you know, like the first movie they have the I'll be right back. And it's like, never say that. And he's like, the rules, you have to be a virgin. You can't die in the movie. You're, it's like, what the heck? Like, what? What? Most absurd thing. And then in this movie, it's like, yep, every other scene is a discussion about it. And then, like, you know, it's even the the discussion on Sydney being the angel of death is more about the plot of the movie, but it's also like the, oh, everyone around the main character always dies. Of course. Ha ha. Which is true. Because if you didn't notice, I had... Jamie, uh, Jamie Kennedy as Randy absent from the cast list because he, I believe, died in the second one. Mm. So Jamie Kennedy did not make it much farther in, uh, which is kind of a trend because Lee Sharper had a more prominent role in the second one than died at the start of the third one. So Interesting. A lot, a lot of trends with that. Um, yeah, I just liked it a lot better. I did not see the twist coming at all. I'd forgotten who it was. Did you Did you uh, see it coming at all? Oh, I figured out it was Rory Culkin once they were in the house. Why is that? I don't know. I just kind of had a hunch because he kept like going away. Yeah. Once he went away, I was like, okay, it's probably him. I didn't think it was the guy with the the camera. Did you think it was the, the I did boyfriend not think Trevor? It was, I didn't. I don't know. But I did not. I think that I was like, that's kind of an obvious red hair. But I didn't, did not think it was going to be Jill. Except when they walked down the stairs, like she checked on the bed for Jill. That's her name, right? Yes. Yeah. And then they went downstairs, and the other one came. I was like, okay, that's Jill. Like I wasn't surprised by that. But once she wasn't under the bed, I was like, oh, where is she? And you're like, oh no! And then once she was like, once the person in the ghost face mask was taken off, like, okay, it's Jill. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it still surprised me though. Yeah, I, I, I would say it definitely did. I, I was kind of, you know, it was kind of a shot in the dark. I didn't know if it was gonna be somebody who came back, you know, from previous. Is like, oh, Lee Sharper's not dead. What? No, so I don't know. But I, I was surprised by it because. You know, the, like, there was a lot more misdirection. You know, the boyfriend at the start sounded kind of manipulative and very Billy-esque from the beginning of uh, Scream 1, and then he's just kind of a dork. And it's like, you know, because they're just watching the Stab movies, which, wh- what is your uh, opinion on the creating the Stab movies within the Scream movies? I think it's very clever. I think it is, too. Where it's, like, literally the movie they're watching, or the movie you're watching is the movie within the... Movie. Movie. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's interesting. It is. Uh, what did you think of um, the the multiple fake out endings? Because I think this movie, again, it plays into its own tropes, which I thought was hilarious. The party being, oh, the big climactic end hosted by possible killers. But no, it's just he, she's just there, or the killer's just there to stab uh, Courtney Cox, which we later learned, We I guess that must have been Jill? It was, because she said she got the same wound as her. That's right. That's right. Right when she said that, like the first time she said it to do, I was like, okay, that's that gave it away. The yeah. same thing as you said with Stu was like, he stabbed. Whoever. Oh yeah, he killed Billy, and you're like, wait a minute, how do we? How do he? Uh, how do he know dead? Billy was dead? How do how do you know that? Um, what what did you think about the? Did, were you convinced that it was going to end with her being the hero? Who Jill? Yeah, I didn't. I was like. Well, no, I didn't. I knew they were gonna wrap it up, but the way, but then she was like, "It's an alternate ending, or like the movie. You could see it as the movie ended there, and then it kept going in the hospital." So yeah, I mean, I didn't really think it was going to, but it's a cool idea that you could show it to someone as if it did, and just like you, you cut could, out the hospital. You could like put it on, oh, and, that's and it. turn and off just, the TV, and be like, "That's it, man. You, what a movie, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I thought that that was cool. I was kind of convinced. I was like, wait a minute, how does it does 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 Sydney die? No, she can't die. She didn't die yet, and she's been put through the ringer a few times. Like I don't know, but I really like this movie. I feel like it doesn't suffer from a lot of the remake tropes. But is that because is the whole haha make fun of remakes? Even though we feel a lot of remake tropes, is that you know, is that a problem or what do you think? Say it again. Like the fact that it, it does suffer from a lot of the remake tropes, but because it's making fun of it, does that make it okay? Uh, in this case, I'll say it does. In this case, you'll say it does. Sometimes, like, imagine if Marvel was like, haha, we make big gray villains, but they still do it. That's, like, that wouldn't be like okay. Like Fast and the Furious 9 suffered from that this year, because I know you didn't see the movie, but one of the big things that I heard, spoiler alert for this, was... They make a lot of jokes about them being invincible. Like, can we die? Like, I don't yeah. think we can. Which, like, some people thought it was funny. I think it's stupid. Because in that case, that's like, it's like pretending to be self-aware but taking themselves seriously. Where this movie is self-aware within itself but simultaneously showing. I don't know. It's a strange way. These movies are very unique. And I like them a lot. I really, I will say, though, least favorite moments from the series already. Um, David Arquette is bad in I don't the first think he movie. Was, yeah, in the fourth he's one, like, he wasn't bad. He's like... Uh, uh, which is just squinting his face and going, my boyish charm much, makes much, up for my. Oh yeah, my I know I, my my increased muscle mass makes up for my boyish good looks, gives me respect among the force. You're much prettier in person. Oh, so I you was do 20, watch the show? I was 24 for a whole year. Ugh, terrible. Yeah, I, I liked him in the fourth one though. He was much better in the fourth one. Ooh, did you think it was gonna be um, um. Shoot, what's her name? Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Uh, um, Kirby? No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't ever think it was gonna be Kirby. I thought Kirby was uh, just someone that we were. Sp- I, okay. I thought Kirby was gonna be. Kirby was like supposed to be Randy. I thought or whatever. I, I just thought Kirby was supposed to be a likable character. That we're gonna be really sad when that character dies, which I was. I liked Kirby. She was funny. Um. No, the movie I uh, that I'm talking or the character that I'm talking about is. Did you think it was at any point, uh, Officer Judy Hicks? I thought so for a second. I was like, wait a minute. So when she showed up, when she was like standing, in the showed dark, up right at right at, and uh, then yeah. after that, I was like, okay, maybe it's her. But I was like, it's probably not going to be her. Yeah, it's just another misdirect, right? Yeah. Misdirect upon misdirect upon. You got to feel a lot of misdirects here. I got to say, it's very, very, very difficult to uh, to really. Trying, like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of just throwing at your face and, hey, look at this. Look at that. Like, maybe it would have been Sydney. Who knows? No, it definitely wasn't Sydney. I don't think that was a chance. Um, oh, my gosh. I had something else. I had it and I lost it now. Okay, yeah, but I've got it right here. So, yeah, it says it is. it starts with Scream 6, watching Scream 6, or Stab 6, watching Stab 5. Then it's Stab 7, watching Stab 6. Then it's Scream 4, watching Stab 7. I don't understand how that works, but that's pretty cool. Um, so I also apparently Wes Craven is not the writer of this one. I'm not sure if he wrote the other ones, but this was actually he was not sure he was going to come back until um, unless the, if the script was good, he'd be willing to. But he had to wait for the script to be written first uh, for that part. Now, Davis, would you watch this film again? I'd say so. Maybe. Yeah. And like, would you watch them all? Are you interested to see to fill in the blanks on the middle two movies? Maybe I don't really know. I heard the second and two kind of lose their satire part of it. 
I, I kind of like this. Okay, they do. They they admittedly do. I would say um, the second one certainly does because it's like, oh, they're just away at college, and it's not so much. It's just like, oh, this is following the character again. It, it loses it a bit, and it's like, you know, that one's making fun of the sequel, then the third one's making fun of... Like, the third one is filming Stat 3, so it's mocking trilogies is what they're doing. But I, I kind of like them. I, 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 was just, I just liked the movies and liked the way they give the twist endings. But I just, yeah, I don't know. Um, what was what was the moment in in either of these movies that shocked you the most? By the way, I, was there a moment that was like you were like, oh my gosh? Because that's the, I feel like that's the movie's kind of mo. When Drew Barrymore was strung up, like what you, you thought she was gonna live, or you thought no, that was a very graphic way, very graphic. Yeah, it just really the graphicness was the only thing that I'm not a big slasher movie person. Just ah. I don't like stabbings. Like like the. The death of um at the beginning where they're across the 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 uh, yes that one was crazy and yeah it was uh, it was Olivia Morris play uh, the character Olivia Morris played by Marielle jo- uh, Joffe and like Sydney goes in there and there's just, the wall is just covered in blood and her intestines just sitting there I'm like what that one that one was crazy to me that one was uh definitely on the stranger side um yeah I think that's fair. I think I think that definitely is probably the most shocking thing for me. Mine was uh, still, man. I I forgot. I didn't. I did not think that. Uh, well, not did you? Did you think Jill was gonna kill? Um, what's his What's his name? I can't remember his name now. Chase. No, no, no. Um, one second, one second, one second. Uh, Charlie, who was played by Rory Culkin. Oh, I thought his name was Chase. I. I uh, no, I didn't. But then when they were like, uh, "That's what happened with Stu. There can only be one." I'm like, "Okay, well." Yep. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. But any final thoughts uh, on these movies, Davis, in the beginning of uh, scary movie season? Bit of a shorter episode because I will say these movies are these movies are both very shorter, uh, hour yes. and fifty minutes each, uh, and just really fun satire moments. Oh wait, I will say I did like um, the line in the first movie where um, Billy says, "Quote: Watch a few movies, take a few notes, and then ten seconds later says, don't blame the movies. Movies don't make psychos. Movies just make psychos more creative.' I'm like, that's kind of contradiction, contradicting yourself. Also, um, for what it's worth, in regards to these movies, it may that that's kind of Wes Craven addressing the movie industry. I feel like and people reacting to scary movies, but this movie actually did inspire a number of killings with people dressed up like Ghostface, like." Like, I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia page now because it's listed under the controversy section, if you'll bear with me for a moment just to uh, talk about this. Cause I think it's worth mentioning because I didn't even, I'd forgotten about it. Like, I'd forgotten that this was an actual problem. Because, yeah, looking at it now, um, like on January 17, 1999, 13-year-old Ashley Murray was stabbed multiple times in the head and back before being left for dead by his friends Daniel Gill and Robert Fuller, 14 and 15 each. He was later found and saved by an elderly man walking his dog. The pair were dubbed the Scream Attackers after it emerged that they had watched Scream shortly before the attack, and drawings of the ghost face mask were found among their possessions. And yeah, you've got that, and then, let's see, there's another one. 16-year-old uh, Mario Padilla, or Padilla, and 14-year-old cousin Samuel Ramirez stabbed Mario's mother 45 times. The case became known as the Scream Murder and fell under intense media scrutiny after the boys claimed they were inspired by Scream 1 and Scream 2. So the question is, is Wes Craven addressing that valid, considering the fact that his own movies seem to have inspired that? What? Maybe. I mean, uh... It's, it's a difficult subject, isn't it? 
I, I had not known the graphic detail of those as I was reading them, to be honest. I, I was not sure of what exactly. Um, one, uh, a psychologist said there were a whole bunch of re- a psychologist, uh, Madeline Levine, said there were a whole bunch of reasons why they acted out that way. But did the movie provide a v- blueprint? Absolutely. So, not to start a very intense discussion, because I don't think that's now is the time or the place for that intense discussion without further research and uh, learning more about it, but do you think those movies did play a significant role in that in that inspiration? And do you think movies can, in fact, do that? They can give them a blueprint, like she said. I agree with that. I'm not yeah. sure if it makes them though. I just thought that was very interesting because of the fact that the the movie, you know, I I wouldn't surprise me if Craven and others thought that, but I was surprised that the movie said that directly. And then there's the not direct contradiction, but I think it was kind of Billy trying to address it for the sake of the horror movie genre. And then there's that. I don't know. I realize you don't have much to say on that. I can stop talking about it if needed. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on it. But any final thoughts on the uh, Scream movies before we move on to Scream Movie Season Part 2, possibly? Uh, They're good movies. Check them out if you want. Uh, It's up to you. But yeah, that's all I got. I would say say they're pretty good Halloween movies. Uh, Obviously, Halloween with Michael Myers is probably the first start uh, for me. But these movies as well, pretty enjoyable for the Halloween. Uh, You know, if if you're trying to watch a scary movie and it's not going to be The Nightmare Before Christmas... This is the one, even though that's a Christmas movie and a Halloween movie at the same time. Very confusing. Uh, but yeah, we thank you for joining us as we talked about Scream 1 and Scream 4, the 25th and 10th anniversaries. Keep an eye out for that Scream 5 trailer coming out uh, very soon. We certainly will, and we'll talk about it on the next episode in some detail, I imagine. Um, well, we thank you for joining us. And again, you can follow us along on Instagram at Through the Lens Weagle. That's Through the Lens Weagle with an underscore in between, but Through the Lens Weagle should be just fine. Look for the camera logo. You can listen to any episodes we've had in the past. This is our 29th. We've done 28 episodes uh, so far, all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more uh, streaming services. And next week, we'll be back to continue a scary movie session, or season, excuse me, with... The Ari Aster films, as Davis mentioned, Hereditary and Midsummer. I'm going to have Nightmares. Davis might too, but we'll be doing it together, and you will be with us as well. But again, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a great, uh, I guess, no matter what day you're listening to it, and in some cases, a great fall break to our Auburn students, and we'll see you next time.